What's going on, crew? Welcome to Cross Platform, where esports, entertainment, and business connect. So incredibly excited that you guys have decided to join us on this journey. We are going to be having tons of fun guests, tons of fun interaction, talking about some of the more exciting industries on the planet. Again, thank you so much for joining us on Cross Platform. Let's get into it. All right. Live. 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 Live and live and live. Live on live. the live. Live in New York City. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> this is your first live on live. My first live and live. There's two guys hanging out, getting after it in the studio. Actually, the studio is we work in new york city and it's a very modest from, from, from a guy who's seen like the like some of the coolest builds out in all of events like tell the tell the audience how jerry rigged we actually are here you know what it's as a marketing person i think it's all about how you say things right <laughs> you say jerry rigged i say modest it's very different very different well, all right Everyone here, why don't you introduce yourself, who you are, and then I want to tell everyone a quick story before you give your best. Oh, sure thing. Yeah, Justin Varghese. Uh, I run marketing in North America for DreamHack, the world's largest gaming lifestyle festival. That is important. And it's important to me because DreamHack was my first ever gaming East live oh, gaming okay. experience last year in Atlanta. And I tell everyone that like this is like the moment where I was like, I want to get into gaming and esports was going down that escalator into the georgia world congress center and i saw it live and i was like this is for me i was working for the nfl and this was my my moment this is my time awesome, to get into <clears throat> gaming and esports that show means a lot to me too actually yeah right because that's where i had my interview sure to get this role yeah so, yeah i've been uh been doing the damn dream hack thing for about a year now well not even a year more like 10 months 10 months 10 months yeah i started uh january 15th Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. So okay. the first show I worked on was Dallas. Um, and that was awesome because it was in my hometown. And it was really great because before the doors even opened, it was the largest show we had ever done. Which is where we first met. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So and this is the story that I want to tell. And, and, then, and then we can get into your background and tell you where you are. So uh, I'm at Access Replay and we're getting ready for, Dream, uh, for eSports Week. And we've had a lot of phone calls. Um, but we meet for the first time at the dinner before DreamHack starts. And we have a great conversation. Everyone wants to talk to Justin, by the way, because he's just so popular and he's like Stop. got crazy energy and is so fun. Stop. And so, but it really that wasn't the moment that the story that I want to tell. The story that I want to tell that I'll never forget, by the way, is the next day before the doors open. Oh, Justin, so, you know, you've got Swedish delegates, you've got the leadership of DreamHack, everyone there getting ready, and Justin, they're like, you know, listen, you're you're a big guy, you got a big personality, you're not the biggest guy, right? You're not like, you're, you're not like a monster man, but, no. you know, you're your slender guy, but you get up in front of this crowd before the door opens, and you give, like, the most insane hype speech ever in the history of hype speeches. And I'm sitting there and I'm watching, we had just met the night before, and I didn't know you had this in you. And like, you're like throwing your hands, you're like, this is eSports, this is live events. Like, the whole, like, everyone's jacked up to the point where I'm like so jacked up to get into side, get inside to DreamHack. And I'll never forget it. And I'm like, Justin bringing the absolute just heat I, for DreamHack. I, 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 do you remember that? Like, I, I do. Like a black no, no, no. I, I remember because it was one of those things where, um, 
I was so, so happy with it. And when they asked me to speak at the ribbon cutting ceremony, because it was a Dallas event and I'm a Dallas person, um, it was seriously such a dream come true. And I, you know, I didn't plan anything because it was very last minute about me being included into that. And I just really spoke about like what the event meant for me and everything like that. And I'm glad that it resonated with people. Did you? Uh... <laughs> it was clear that so that's why I named the episode Get Hype because yeah. I literally like when you talk about people who are passionate about gaming, passionate about esports, passionate about what they do. Literally, and then I want. I'm excited to get into your background um, because I think it'll resonate with a lot of people. But I'm like, wow, like this is passion that is unmatched. <laughs> like seriously, it really was, and I was like, this is like intoxicating to watch. And I mean, you're just opening the doors to an event, but to seeing how much it meant to you, just like I was like, I'm excited to get in here and experience this for him. Like you know, like see what he built and what like this team built and has marketed. So with that, you know, now everyone knows that you're. You love what you do. Uh, <laughs> Spoiler alert, I love what I do. But go ahead and um, tell the crew. So just to run down kind of the audience here, I get a lot of young guys who sure. might have just broken into esports, regular yeah. esports. I have some investors on here. Um, it's a pretty diverse crowd, but I think definitely guys want to know career paths, and I think yours uh, would be super impactful. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's so funny because uh, a little over a week ago, I was speaking at – an esports career fair hosted by FlyQuest um, at UCSD. And a similar question was asked to me too. And, and the one thing really from this person in the audience, they were just kind of worried, like I have all this other experience and I want to get into esports, but I feel like because I didn't just jump into it after college, right. I, it's too late for right. me. And the reality is that that couldn't be further from the truth, honestly. I mean, sure. my journey was so weird, even from like, going high school to college. Like back then, I was better at working with programs than with people. So sure. I went in initially hoping to be a supply chain major. And as I kind of you know, got out of my shell and started interacting with, with a ton of people and really becoming who I am today, um, I realized very quickly that I really like working with people more than I do with programs. So I shifted that into operations management um, and ended up doing um, software and technology sales for um, for CA for a while, which was honestly a, a really good gig. I had a great team, some of whom I still keep in touch with today. Um, and I was making like a, you know, pretty decent money. Sure. But that's kind of where it all started for me was was a... Was it fuel on the fire? Well, well, it was one of those things where it's definitely very much like clock in, clock out in regards to like how I did work, right? right? It, it wasn't like a 365 kind of thing. So it was like, okay, I'm going to give my soul to this group from nine to five. Right. And then I'm going to go home and not think an inch about it. Right. Okay. And things really changed for me, honestly, like probably in November of 2014, because that was when I got to commentate my first esports event. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so just a little bit of background there. I, I wanted to, I wanted to share that. Your your Twitter picture as opposed to the LinkedIn oh, picture. Oh, sweet! I thought, it been, I thought it would have been a better one, but the, uh, I, I went with the LinkedIn picture. Fair. It's, it's, <laughs> I think my friends lovingly refer to it as the rocket launch picture. Right? <laughs> it's just like it's just like, damn, this this man looks like he is in NASA. He's mission got the headset right on. Now. I mean, he's like yeah. really directing. That, it's great. It's a great yeah, shot. Yeah, that was a, that was a good time. It was uh, that was uh, at Halo event I was I was working. It was a good time. Um, but dude, yeah, seriously. So I'm in this position where. I'm making a, making pretty good money doing software, 
technology sales, right? It's like enterprise level, level software for Fortune 500 companies and things like that. Mm -hmm. and I was doing pretty well in that regard. And then I kind of stumbled into the, wow, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a lost voice that needs a sip of tea real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to New York. Yeah. So, so I kind of stumbled into the world of, of, of esports and gaming um, in a really interesting way. So I was really hyper competitive, honestly, in Smash 64. Like that was my game, okay. right? That was your go-to. Yeah, dude, dude. No, I, I'm, I'm serious. If we had a setup right now. I would, I It's one thing that I'm not out If we had a setup right now. I do. I used to. I used to do things where I'd say, I'd say, "Hey, come play me. If you, it's only costs a dollar to play me. If you beat me, I'll give you a hundred dollars. And <laughs> if you lose, then all the money I collect goes to charity. And I just fucking run with that yeah. shit. You know? I wouldn't lose. I was pretty good. I was honestly pretty good. Um, and I had some friends who were actually competitive in some of the newer iterations of Smash, and they saw how good I was um, in this." Nintendo 64 game, and they're just like, hey, you know, you should actually like seriously look into getting into some of these newer games uh -huh. because there's tournaments for it, um, and you guys should make some pretty decent money doing it, right? Um, and so I uh, was like, okay, and I did what I did whenever I was in college, and I needed to learn something, and I was go on YouTube. Yeah, and uh, I I went on YouTube, and I basically stumbled upon what I would call at the time the Super Bowl of Smash Brothers. And I just fell in love, not only with the players and how intricate and detailed their movements were and everything like that, but also because it was the first time I had this game that I love so much, Smash, uh, with play-by-play -play and color commentary. And I remember as I was sitting in my room. Did you give it your first run? Did you give it your first run and commentating to yourself? No, no, no. I just remember, I, 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 didn't, I wasn't worthy. I was just thinking at the time, I will never get a chance to do this, but if I did, I bet I'd have a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. um, and so I got that chance, like I said, in November of 2014. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> the, the story there was that same friend who told me to get into some of these newer games. Um, he happened to have a friend on Facebook who was the director of content strategy for the largest Smash-centric broadcast company in the South. Okay. And they had just relocated to a new venue, which was about five minutes from my condo. Okay. And it was one of those weird, like, stars aligned sort of things. I just jumped in and just DM'd that guy. His name is Sean. Great dude. Cannot say enough great things about Sean. But I DM'd Sean, um, and I just asked him for, like, advice, honestly. And again, very honest with him. And him and I had a great conversation. And at the end of it, he said, hey, man, you know, swing by sometime if you – if you like it, then uh, and I uh, like what what I hear, maybe I'll put you on for a game or two. So I showed up with with my buddy Nabil, who um, now works. He uh, he now works for AOE Creative. Okay. Um, they they're an awesome group. Seriously, if you're looking for anything branding and marketing related in this space, they're incredible. Cannot say that enough. Is it Eric? It's you think about you think about you think about Simon Bennett. Yes, 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 yeah, yes, yes. yeah. He's spoken to you, Simon. Yeah, he's great dude. Yeah, great. That whole team is sick. Yeah, I love them. Uh, so I showed up with Nabil, uh, and I thought honestly, if I was lucky, I'd get a game or two. Mm -hmm. But they loved me, so they 
let me close out the night. And I actually did three hours of commentary straight. My first I time. My first time. And so that's really what started the snowball for me because it was basically a branching path in the sense that I had like a stable, well-paying software security job and I was making less than minimum wage commentating Smash say, like, in, the, in the back of a game store. Yeah. No, no. Smash is poverty, man. Smash yeah. is still poverty. But uh, but it, it it turned to the point where I was just really enamored, I think, by the whole spectacle and the whole prospect of it. So in 2015, I actually left my full-time job and just committed about a year and a half to just seeing what I could do with the space, what I could do with commentary and things like that. Okay. And as a result of that, I was able to kind of branch out and do you know, regional, national, and international tournaments for Smash. And eventually I got to the point where I wasn't just covering Smash. At my peak, I was doing about a dozen different titles for some of the biggest companies in the world, sure. like Activision Blizzard, the Pokemon Company, MLG, etc. Um, so during that time period, I had amassed a ton of connections and contacts in all these different spaces. Right. The ultimate Rolodex. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, it was it was a good time, you know, just a lot of different commentators. Yeah, yeah, travel a good amount. But it was a lot of different commentators, a lot of different players, influencers, etc. So whenever the opportunity popped up for me to uh, work for DreamHack, that honestly was my main selling point. I came to them and I said, "Look, I don't have any traditional marketing experience mm -hmm. on my resume, <laughs> but." Here's all the stuff that I have done and how that's relevant to you. And I just was very honest, I think, in regards to what my skill set was and what I think I could bring to the company. Um, and it was a long process for sure, but here I am now. So mm -hmm. did a, so did a role open up? Were you did you like stumble into somebody who was looking? You know what? I guess what did it look like? How did it transpire? And sure. Yeah. So. I was on LinkedIn and they had posted the job. LinkedIn? Really? Shameless plug. <laughs> I was on LinkedIn and they posted the job and I immediately was like, yes, this is exactly what I need to do, right? Okay. Um, and the situation was pretty simple for me there. Um, anytime I apply for a job, mm -hmm. the first thing I do is that I always connect with either my future boss or the person I'm replacing, right? That way you kind of know what's in store. Yeah. Sometimes both, right? It's the, um, it's the easiest tactic. Like, yeah. I'll, I'll go and connect. Like, if I'm find a job or something, I'll go like connect with the luckily round on the three man shop. So it was pretty simple. But I mean, literally, <laughs> you find a job. Exactly. That's one of the early strategies. Right. Go connect with as many people as you can in the shop. Exactly. So so I did that. Um, the person who I replaced was also named Justin. It was Justin Moskowitz. I don't know if you remember Moskowitz. Um, he was me, except much taller and and older than we me as well. He was, he was not me, I guess. In a weird <laughs> way. No, he was not a Dallas, unfortunately. I, I, I'm excited next time I see him, but honestly, him and I had just like a great chat initially. Um, and I just asked him a ton of questions in regards to what the job looks like, what to expect, what the challenges are, what they're looking for. So then I ended up doing a phone interview with him and Anna Nordlander. She was at the time CMO, now COO of Dream Hackney. She's a badass. Um, and uh, then I actually got flown out for my in-person interview at Dream Hack Atlanta. So the so whole, you weren't with, so that was November of last year. Yes, correct. And correct. you weren't, that was your first interview. Yep. Wow. That was my in-person interview was then. Um, I ended up starting with DreamHack. 
uh, January 15th of 2019. Okay, so that is interesting. So, and this is what I tell a lot of people, um, younger guys, so I think this will res resonate in the grand scheme of things, because one of the things I always tell in regards to average timeline of getting a job you actually want, I think we live in a very yeah. unique world right now where there's a lot of employment in the world. Plenty of jobs that you can go just like get, but if it's a job you want, and like it's a big job, yeah, and it's important to you, and it's going to take a whole series of interviews. I mean, like it's going to take an average of four to six months. So when guys are graduating from college, uh, you know, they reach out and they're like, "Hey, I just graduated. Uh, you know, I'm starting to look for jobs." I'm like, "Why are you starting now? You, know, <laughs> you needed to start four months ago." So anyway, I think that's interesting. From yeah. November, you didn't start until January. Yeah, I mean, I mean, again, for me, it was one of those situations where. Um, and, and this is something that I really urge anybody who's looking to get into the space, right? Like build and understand what your transferable skills are. Mm -hmm. For me, even though I didn't have marketing in my title, sure. working in sales, I did a ton of marketing. I did email campaigns. I did really specific outreach. You know, honestly, when you're talking about like C-level executives, sure. in their own way, they are influencers right. of these companies that have hundreds of thousands of people, right? And honestly, the stuff that I, the way I approach C-level people is very similar to the way I approach certain influencers and super, certain talent agencies sure. and things like that. You know, like it's, it's, it's honestly one of those things where if you want to get in the space, get in the damn space. And there's so many volunteer opportunities to do, so many different ways you can integrate and really figure out kind of what you want to do to the space. Sure. Um, and, and really ways for you to plug in. Uh, I think as long as you're honest about it and you actually attend events and don't just call yourself an esports consultant on, on, uh, <laughs> on LinkedIn, you'll probably be pretty good. So, pretty good. Well, and so we'll rewrite the script of, of today a little bit since sure. we're just on, on the topic. Sure. As you know, I didn't, I, you know, I didn't come from gaming myself. I, mean, yeah. I, had, I, I had to do this thing authentically and uh -huh. I had to literally like get my name out there and get on people's faces. But I was talking about it this morning before our call about guys reach out to me all the time now and they're like, how do I break into this industry? What are the tactics that yeah. you have? And you know, I, I, my advice is literally, you got to get a ball rolling some way, somehow you've got to start on LinkedIn. Your LinkedIn's got to be buttoned up. You got to reach yeah. out to guys like Justin. You got to set up calls like these network. You've got to show, why you're interested in this space. You don't want to come in asking, like, can I have a job if you don't have experience? Like it's, so, and, and especially if you don't have experience. Yes. So when I go back to my first experience ever, I was like, eh, like 404 esports doesn't necessarily count. My first experience was DreamHack. And then my first piece of content that I did about it was the art was an article that I wrote on LinkedIn. Like nobody ever saw it. It was <laughs> about uh, NBA 2K and LeBron going to LA. And it was like the first, that was my first piece of content. I didn't actually realize until this morning, but that was the start. You know, if you're trying to break into an industry where you have no history right. or nothing relevant necessarily on your resume, you got to make it. You have to like yes. put it on there and like force it in. Completely agree. Completely uh, agree in that regard. Um, <laughs> I, say, I said this actually at, at that event I was speaking at a year ago. I'm not here, but a week ago. Um, and my end game really is to make sure that we have the best and brightest people in the space. Right. Because that's the only way we can take the space to the next level. See, when I when I think about the challenges in the space right now, especially from a hiring perspective, the reality is that 99% of people fall into one of two camps. Sure. So camp one is I've been gaming my whole life. I love gaming. I love esports. 
please give me a job. <laughs> well, what's your experience? Uh, well, gaming's my passion. Please give me a job. And, and, and it breaks my heart because it's great people that unfortunately just don't have any experience, let alone the right experience sure. necessary to solve the challenges that are in our space. Mm -hmm. Now we have the other side of the camp and they're, you know, kind of business savvy or at least they can talk very smooth. Um, <laughs> the memes? No, it's not the memes. It's people who are like kind of business savvy or at least they can talk smooth, right? Honestly, don't care at all about the space and are really just in it just to make a quick buck because they saw some Forbes article, right? Sure. And, you know, they are very much the e-gaming consultants that you will find in your LinkedIn inbox trying to message the you. Ones that also so much garbage. Canvas, blockchain. <laughs> e-gaming, blockchain. E-dash e gaming. Oh, dude, the e-dash big G <laughs> gaming. That's how you know you're about to throw your money at a money pit. This guy is, <laughs> honestly, and there, there are times where I think, okay, which DM is worse? The e-gaming DM or the, hey, do you want to start your own business? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Right. But and, and there, <laughs> there is something I will say about that, and this, is, and this goes back to the first article that I ever wrote, which was terrible. But I started spelling esports with a capital S, right, which is, it's, it's, a, it's like a hacker, right? It's like yeah. something that can get called out. But it's not like like an e-gaming or like a right, like right, whatever. Right. But like there was a there was a sense of I needed to be willing to fail in me to get into this industry. So I wrote it, I posted it, I put it out there. You met Chad DeLuca. No, I haven't yet. She's mm -hmm. fabulous. He runs partnerships with Twitch now. Oh, that's awesome. And he wrote me directly and was like, S is capitalized. It's not a big deal. But some people will, you know, like take that as a sign of non-authenticity. And I was like, listen, I appreciate the hell out of you writing this. Like, I really do. Like, this does not deter me. I should probably rewrite it. Thank you so much. We're great friends now. You know, I, I could have easily taken that and be like, and fought back or something. But you got to be willing to yeah. you know, put yourself out there and at least start with something. So anyway, like, that, that all gets into, like, humanity. No, I, I do. I would have been that guy. Like, Chad, Chad is a, I got to say right now, Chad should be on here, not me. Chad is a much better human being than me. <laughs> Chad is a much better human being than me. I would have. You're sharp. Yeah, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but I'm going to smash you. You know, I mean, you guys are tough to please. You know, the craziest thing happened actually on, on, the, on the big S thing. So I think it was time, if I remember correctly, wrote a great piece on Gregory, who is our first woman in the Overwatch League. Mm -hmm. And of course, they big S. Um, so I found the um, the author and actually DM'd him on Twitter and said, hey, seriously, thank you so much for writing about our space. It was a really great piece. One thing just for, for future note, um, it's actually the APA preferred style is eSports with no big S. And he said, hey, thanks for the note, but we have our own rules here. <laughs> I was like, dude, nice. what? Nice. I wish I could get away with that in my English classes growing up. You know what I mean? My my teacher come through, she she'd be like, "Hey, subject and then a preposition." I'd be like, "Sorry, teach. I got my own rules right. here." Yeah, right. Do you know who I am? I am an <laughs> e-gaming blockchain consultant, big G all day. <laughs> but 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 I digress. Um, so so we have those two camps of people, right? Like super passionate people, no experience. People who actually don't care about the space can talk pretty and just want to make, make a buck. Sure. 
the, 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 what we're looking for is the diamond in the rough, right? What our space truly needs are people who love gaming and understand the power that gaming has as a, one of the few universal languages we have left in the world, coupled with great business sense to solve the problems that our industry faces. Mm -hmm. And let's not shy away from it. Our industry faces a ton of problems, right? It's not, it's not just all you know, sunshine and rainbows and people flossing. Like, there's actually a ton of challenges that are seen faces. And what I told those students whenever I was chatting with them a week ago was that at the end of the day, I need these kids to rise up so they can take my damn job. That's the only way, right? That's the only way our whole scene can be leveled up, right? And so for me, I really do try to make it a, a really big point of mine to really mentor and, and, and help as many people as I possibly can whenever it comes to finding those people who maybe have like all of part one, a little bit of part two, sure. and then molding them to the point where they can kind of crush all of it, right? And, and so before, because I want to get your uh, point of view on live events and things like that, um, but in regards to, let's talk about um, like the mentorship program that you just did, right? Where, like, like let's talk about Bobby, right? So like Bobby, you mm -hmm. just, you just, so, um, I guess, what are you looking for on LinkedIn when you put out that job roll the other day where you were looking for representatives of the Southeast? Yeah. Um, I guess, like, what's attractive, what sticks out, what, uh, what's going to be the final, like, you know, that, you know, that moment where it's like, okay, this is somebody that right. I want. Right. Um, I think the biggest thing, honestly, is a willingness to learn. Okay. Right? That's really, really important. Um, I always try to find people who are very honest with me and say, well, these are kind of my goals in regards to what I want to do in this in this space. And this is sort of what I've done so far, far or what I'm studying. Sure. And I try to make it so that through the program that I offer, um, I, I try to basically make it so that they do a little bit of everything. And then once they figure out like, okay, I really want to learn more about this, that's when I really sit them down and let them focus on whatever it is. Okay. Right? Um, so our team in Dallas, for instance, was was ironed out to a T. It was yeah. a, a total of, including myself, about five people, right? Yeah. Um, and eventually it just was boiled down to a science where you had somebody like Karina who was so good at managing like, commute, like micro communities and things sure. like that and building great relationships. Um, that that was kind of her whole spiel, right? Um, somebody like David, who, as somebody who was a semi-professional player, all of a sudden had this massive network of people who were just like him, who became big-time commentators and big-time content creators. Sure. And as a result of that, he personally was able to bring in like millions of subscribers of influencers to our show that we weren't tapped into otherwise, sure. right? Um, and it those kinds of experiences, right? just means so much. And even to this day, I really do try to follow up with them and make sure that they're still doing great because it's, it's to me, it's just so personal Yeah. at the end of the day. Good. That's awesome. That's, that's great to hear. So anyway, I know there's a lot of young guys watching right now because uh, they reach out all the time and there's no better man to learn from than, than right here. <laughs> um, I want to talk about what you do best and your business. Um, Live events, sure. live events in esports right now. I come from the largest live event in the world, and am now very curious to see how um, 
the uh, you know how esports can look at things like the Super Bowl or the okay. NBA Finals to to and, and implement them. And that's how I guess that's how I started. I was like, well, where's this going to transfer over? Right. But the more and more I've been in the space, the more and more it's like it doesn't need to take a single dang thing from traditional sports. It kind of needs to be unique. In a yeah. Way. But a couple different teachings here and there might help. So from somebody who literally markets the biggest gaming and one of the biggest the biggest gaming event in is that what's the stat yeah i mean it's the largest game in the world and you you pair it convention with tournament play um you know i mean if you get everybody to dream hack you gotta go so just i guess from an overall standpoint i know this is now a whopping question but give us your thoughts on the live event space sector in esports so, um, live events is really interesting. Um, I think that there's a lot of people that want to do big things, right? Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of people who are currently doing big things, right. right? For the people who are in this initial camp, right? Depending on who it is, they have different goals and different KPIs to measure success, mm -hmm. right? So if you're, say, Riot, um, at the end of the day, whether you turn profit or not on a big time esports event, is okay because it's kind of written off as at the end of the day a big time marketing event, right? right? Versus a group like us, right? There's a lot. There's a lot that goes into it in the sense that we're our KPIs are a bit different because we're not a publisher, right? We're actually publisher agnostic. Mm -hmm. There's, like I said, there's that other side of that that camp too, right. sees all these big events and immediately they're like, I want to do a big like that too. And as I'm sure you know, people in our space. I think the big word that gets thrown around at pretty much every pitch deck is that they're digitally native, right? Sure. People who consume uh, gaming and esports content, they're digitally native. So that is actually, in my opinion, kind of a big challenge whenever you're a brand new event trying to market to people. Because again, it's a digitally native audience right. who's so comfortable sitting behind the, the computer at the end of the day, right? So when I talk to these people and they're like, I've never done an event before, but I want to do a stadium event. Right. I'm like, oh yeah, can, can we walk it back just, just a couple of steps? And it's, it's, it's crazy because they have like these delusions of grandeur where they're like, well, if I throw a small event, there's gonna be too many people. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, dude, if you have too many people at your first event, that is a great add to your sponsorship deck. Are you kidding me? <laughs> but 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 that's the reality is that I think I think uh, when we're talking about our space in particular, the biggest thing really is that there is that inherent challenge where you sure. have to provide that premium experience to as many people as possible and convince these people who at the end of the day are really comfortable behind their computer why they should come out. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is intrinsically conveyed because it's a level of trust that they have in your brand. Sure. Right. I think that's actually super key to, uh, you know, when you go to some of these events, guys, you, I mean, guys are hauling in an entire cart of infrastructure. Yes. And they're setting up for four days to play in the Georgia World Congress Center, the Dallas Convention Center. I mean, they like, that's what they do. They bring their own personal setups. And I think you're right. I think, you know, being able to confidently bring what's probably, I don't know, three to six grand worth of gear into into a into a public facility and to play games on a trusted server. I mean, it requires a lot. Yeah, you have, like you have to be comfortable bringing what is 
essentially a lot of people's livelihood. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's their key to, you know, revenue and, and life. Yeah, I think I think that's one thing that DreamX done a great job of cultivating over these last 25 years is really that sense of community more than anything else, mm -hmm. right? Um, I think that people go to events like ours because they really want to connect. Mm -hmm. And there's something that happens whenever you go from being behind the screen mm -hmm. in front of people and you find your tribe, sure. especially in an event like ours, and you realize, oh wow, there's so many people who are just like me. Sure. Right? That's to me, that's like the big driving factor in regards to gaming right. as a whole, right? Like I said, in my opinion, gaming is one of the few true universal languages that we have left mm -hmm. in the sense that when you and I sit down at the sticks and we boot up that game and, and we're about to go in, in that one perfect moment, who you are as a person, your background, um, your culture, your religion, your politics, whatever, all that kind of fades away for a second and you have this moment where you are just both unified by the love of the game. Yeah. And giving that feeling and scaling that up to as many people as I possibly can, that really is what I'm looking to do with DreamHack. I say to a lot of people, it, it's, you know, Fortnite was such a unique thing for so many reasons, but I think actually for the, for the bullying problem that we have been known to have in the States, uh, and, and it's a global problem, but I think that that game actually does a lot. I, I think it's, uh, it's been said, it's the first time that the captain of the football team, the captain of the chess team, are hanging out all, you know, out of school. You know, and it's just such a unique thing um, when you bring different types of people together, all race, gender, you know, age level. It just doesn't doesn't matter. It's just all that universal language, which is why it's so special. Going back to live events, though, let's. I want to talk about two different. So, like, I, I've been I've been DreamHack and I've been to E3. So the thing that I love about DreamHack is that it gives me a space that I can experience up and coming companies, uh, new products, new games. It's such a fun interactive experience, but it also allows me to, to kick my feet back and, and watch some live yep. gaming. And, and, and the intersect that you guys you bring in different tournaments, I think is super unique. Yeah. And E3 is massive, it's a lot of press, it's, it's a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of action going on. It doesn't have that kind of sit down and relax and watch some live events type. Well, I mean, unless you're announcing a game, but like live tournaments and stuff doesn't necessarily have that. So I guess what what do you guys work on that separates you from the pack in the entire landscape of gaming and, and, and conventions, right? Yeah, so that's honestly a great question. I think that what we do best is have really such a content-focused show more than anything else. Um, I think a lot of shows, um, no shade at anybody, but there's plenty of shows that I go to where their whole event is just the expo hall, right? Right, and that's it. And that's fine. You know, I enjoy shows like that for sure. But I think that our tactic in regards to how we build out a show is just different, right? Uh, one of the best compliments that I get is from people who are DreamHack diehards, and they come up to me and they say, "I know you have this event that's three days." And when it opens, it literally does not close, right? It's 24 hours. But I still feel like there's not enough time to see everything that it's I want. True. To it's see really true. It's really true. That is very yeah. true. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, I think, probably our biggest strength as a show is the fact that it's just such an immersive experience, right, that's meant to be enjoyed with the people you come with as well as the people that are around you. 
And I can't say that necessarily about every show mm -hmm. because a lot of those shows are just come to our expo hall and see all these games. Sure. Um, I think that when we're talking about the future of the event, you know, really we're trying to grow this and cultivate this to the next level to the point where when I'm talking about five years from now, my goal is not to take over all million square feet of the Georgia World Congress Center. My goal is to take over Atlanta, to take yeah. over Dallas, to take over Anaheim and have this true immersive gaming experience that really resonates throughout the city and really cultivates that change that I'm looking to have within the space as a whole and props up so many amazing conversations. That's a that's a heck of a heck of a goal. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The city. That's why that's why they're that's why they're goals, man, that are far enough away where I can say I made a mistake. <laughs> right. It's timeline. So you're getting you're getting hammered here with comments and, and questions. So you ready to get into it? Yeah, absolutely. Hit it. All right, some hellos, Justin Connors, Christy St. Martin. I love Christy. We love Christy. Christy's we both the best. love Christy. This is a Christy fan club. Is that Christy from the classic card <laughs> club of Manhattan? Um, oh. Brant Collins, great guy, says hello. Sean Norton. Um, Christopher Reed says hello. Anthony Gallo. We're getting a bunch of guys here in, in uh, DreamHack. Awesome, awesome. Uh, Scott Zachman says hello. The Rockers love what he's working on. Uh, Will Hershey, my CEO, is DreamHack profitable? Yeah. <laughs> so with live events in general, um, the first year you do a show typically is in the red, right? Mm -hmm. And you can talk to any festival, um, and they'll tell you the same thing. Mm -hmm. But by the time as the years go on, that's when you start the whole space really becomes a little bit more lucrative. Um, even a bad show, that even a show that might not do as well in one of our more established areas, sure. Even if for whatever reason that show doesn't do as well, it's still extremely profitable right. the day for us just because it's so many people and as a result of that, it's so many different companies. Um, there's really a lot to it in, in that particular regard, right? Uh, again, we're, we're really thinking more so about the long-term potential than right. anything else. Um, and I think, over an entire city. Yeah, and I think that we have a very strong business model to accompany that. I mean, our team is very lean and mean. You know, we're, the company as a whole is what, like 70 people? Mm -hmm. And some of those 70 people do 15 shows in nine countries? Like, that's that's, that's crazy, you know? Will's asking, because we have, obviously, a very uh, close relationship with TG, because they're yep. kind of our whole thing. Mm -hmm. um, so, Christopher Reed says, hello, um, big fans of your Smash presence. Oh, thank you. Larry Brazel says, hello, and he is a huge fan of your Smash presence as well. Jeremy Poor, what's up, fellas? I love Justin, Jeremy. the rain or pumped for DreamHack? I am pumped for the rain. Seriously, I'm super pumped. Um, He's got some cool stuff coming up. Oh, 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 yeah. Very cool. Oh, yeah. I, I, am, uh, talk about I am very curious to seeing what, what Jeremy's cooking up down uh, in ATL. It's going to be a good time. This is a good comment. When I'm seeking a, a, uh, to develop new partnerships, I connect with as many people as I can. Um, it's a great way to find commonalities and yeah. strengths and weaknesses. Yeah, it's not, it, honestly, most people, most people in this space are pretty nice, to be frank. Well, they're all super busy because you have to be busy to, to be in the space, especially when you see like You know, my, my key, I, I always tell people, you know, keys in the follow-up. Like, unless yeah. if someone doesn't get back to the first time, there's so much happening in this industry. And yes. I feel so bad sometimes because people drill me like two or three times. I'm like, oh, like, right. I know, I'm sorry, like, let me, but like, stay on top of people. Something really, you know, it's like, 
why aren't you getting this? No one would ever say, why aren't you getting back to me? Why aren't you responding? Just keep the like, hey, you know, just want to follow up, see if you yeah. have some time this week. People will respond. Keep, keep, keep your foot on the gas. Um, Justin Connors, I say this all the time when trying to figure out uh, trying to figure out what they can do and like break down whatever job you want to its basic parts and then yeah. say, do I know how to do these parts? And if not, start learning them piece by piece. That's such a good comment. That seriously is such a good comment. Justin, ah, man. Justin you're the man. The strong esports name I'm recognizing is there's a lot of Justins <laughs> in the space. Like, like even I replaced a Justin, and then our global creative director is also a Justin. <laughs> so there's a lot. I, I don't know if, if, if it wasn't for the fact that one Justin was, was going out, I don't know if I could have gotten the job, to be frank. Mm -hmm. but like, there's too many Justins. We, we're good. We have a Justin oh, quota and then some. Um. Christy, I'm so glad I'm not on this stream with you guys. We would have broken the rules of Car Club. And then yes, we would have broken the rules of Car Club. Darren Trout says the first rule of Car Club, dot, dot, dot. I don't know. Don't Darren, talk about Car Club. Darren is such a genuine great dude. Darren is a great Honestly. Uh, great, great pleasure meeting Darren for the first time of the night. He's awesome. That was Hale's first time? That's first crazy. Time meeting, yeah. That's crazy. I'm, I'm glad it worked out in that regard. Yeah. Um, all righty. Let's see here. Let's get a question going. Now, <laughs> uh, we all us professionals are in our niche. Need to say our branding is that we work in esports. Put it in your branding and lead with it. Interesting. Yeah. Question: great. What's the best VR you played, oh. and when do you think VR will find its place in esports? Best VR nice. I play. Hot take: Super hot VR. Hot take? Yeah, super hot VR. I think a lot of people are probably expecting like. Oh, like Resident Evil or something like uh, that. No, it's super hot VR, and it's not even close how good of a VR experience that is. Um, that game, like, if you haven't played the original Super Hot, play that. But even if you have an opportunity to play Super Hot VR, that kind of takes it to the next level. So Super Hot's one of those games where it's time only moves when you move, so you feel like you're in the right. Matrix and you're playing normally. But then you play it in VR, and you're like, oh damn. I'm actually Neo right now. Right. Okay, this got real. <laughs> no, it was uh, my wife has tons of embarrassing videos of me playing it at a, a friend's party. Um, that was my first time, and I'm just like on the floor, like trying to dodge bullets and things like that. It's it's a mess. VR, I've done VR twice. Um, I'm having a trouble with the with the queasiness and the motion. No, I get I get you. I get you. I get you. Super. So I'm telling you, super hot, super good. Um, I still need to play Hellblade in VR because I'm sure that game is already such an immersive experience uh, that I can only imagine what it's going to be like. In I want to play that Iron Man VR game. Yeah. I hope it's cool, man. I mean, I, I, like, I like being Iron Man. All right, uh, a long question from Jacob, a big fan of him from Toronto, young hustler. Uh, hey guys, what are the biggest issues in esports today? Roundhill brought esports to the investing public. DreamHack has made tournaments, some of those hyped events, nearly, uh, but nearly always sells out. Influencer brands like FaZe, 100 Thieves, mm -hmm. have developed the entertainment side as much, and I believe that the future is only going to get brighter as one of the young guys her was talking about how do i take it upon myself to help solve these issues in the industry Ooh. boom that's okay. a big one that is a big question um so the first thing is figure out what exactly it is that you bring to the table that's i think that that's i think if you try to solve challenges that you don't have the skill set for mm -hmm. you'll learn a lot but at the end of the day you'll make complete like 
75% of it at best instead yeah. of knocking it out and doing a full concrete. So I, I, I look inside and, and see what I want to do and what can I do, sure. right? And make moves to make it so that those two things really align, right? After that, after you've kind of cultivated that brand card, it makes it so that it's much easier for you to do exactly what you want. Esports is interesting in the sense that you wear a ton of hats, but whenever you're coming in for an interview, I, I, they're not really looking for a generalist, sure. right? They need somebody who can do the specific tasks that the job is looking for. Right. That also can be adaptable to situations, right? I've learned, I think, for myself, I, I came from a sales background, and I had plenty of traditional sports knowledge. I, I was on the recruiting and, and coaching and assisting side early on. And then I got into sponsorship sales in my first internship with Wells Fargo, and I was like, okay, I need to really pull together like my main three assets here, and I, that's what I need to promote in this space, and, and this is what I want to do. But then I also wanted to build out like the list of things that I really wanted to learn. Um, so when it came to people I was reaching out to and people I was networking with, I was like, this is what I've done in traditional sports. This is what I see you're doing, and this is why I want to learn from you. Where like you know when you're connecting, reaching out to people, it, it kind of it's not like a trick or a gimmick. It's just like it kind of empowers that person. Right, yeah. like, I'm here to not ask you for something besides your advice and, and your experiences to help educate myself. And I think that uplifts the person that you're talking to. Like, oh, this guy's just like genuinely looking for mentor mentorship without asking. He's showing his experiences that he's not just like rolling off the street, hasn't done anything. Like, I just need help getting a job. He's coming to me with his experiences, asking how he applies them to our industry, and he wants to learn from me. So that's kind of yeah, for sure, for sure. I'm uh, I'm right there with you in, in that regard too, right? Um, and again, the honestly, the best thing you can do if you want to like be in the space and create that change, like I said, is just get involved. I mean, an event like Dreamac has so many volunteer opportunities, That's things good. like that. Um, with my story with commentary, I mean, I was doing that for less than minimum wage for so long. Um, but I talk about free, you know, free rolls a lot. Like if you if you're in between, you know, I got let go from the NFL, but it gave me a nice little stopgap of severance to go, to go, you know, try and really get in the space. And I, 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 within a week went to 404. I was like, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm right. no charge. Let me just come help. Mm -hmm. I want to help with what you're doing. And it was my way of getting that experience yeah. just, just started. It's, it's not glorious by any means. And I understand that everybody's situation is different. There's people who genuinely cannot do that. Mm -hmm. um, but I do feel like being in the space requires, honestly, a ton of sacrifice. Yeah. I mean, this job is a dream job for me, but I'd be lying to you if I didn't tell you that I'm working much more and much harder at this job than anything I've ever taken on in my life. But I think that what separates it is that myself and everybody on our team, I think, inherently believes and understands that what we're building is so much bigger than all of us, sure. right? So what lets you put in those time, that time, what lets you put in those long hours? There is a good question to close on here, and then I want to get into our speed round. We're gonna, sure. We're going to crush. What time do you leave it, Lisa? Oh, no, I'm okay. I'm okay. Um, I'm curious how the future of events like DreamHack or any other major event continue as publishers start to take more and more control and ownership of their games, their competition, and narratives. What are the thoughts there, the conversations happening now? Yeah, I'm not really worried about it, to be frank. Um, I think that DreamHack is a very unique Unfazed. opportunity. Yeah, no, no, well, here's the reality, right? One, not every publisher 
is equipped to run an esports circuit, to have big time tournaments as a big part of what they do, right? They're so laser focused around building out and marketing and publishing the next game, right? That's like the biggest thing that 99% of publishers are really focused on, right? right. Um, even for the ones that take things very internally, DreamHack is still a great opportunity. Um, the thing is that when you do like an Overwatch League event, right, or a Fortnite event, the only people that come are people who are already Fortnite fans, sure. right? You contrast that to an event like DreamHack, right. where I'd be sitting down to watch Rocket League, and I'll see Smash in the corner of my eye and think, oh, what's going on on that stage, right? right? Mm -hmm. It's one of those things where it's, I think, a really good opportunity for even pubs with very established scenes to be able to now put their product in like a polished form in front of new audiences while still enrapturing their existing audiences, right? Um, I'm, I'm honestly not worried about that really at all. I think that we have a really strong relationships with a lot of pubs and devs who are really gung-ho about doing it right in this space. And, and honestly, in my opinion, it's very much a symbiotic relationship more than anything else. I think it, it's a good point to kind of close on before you get into the speed round. But like, you know, there's the point of uh, collaborate, not compete. Yep. You know, like this is an industry where everyone needs everyone to succeed, right? There's, you know, there's plenty of rivalries out there and there's mm -hmm. plenty of competition, but it's still like, it's an industry that's has been around for a very long time, but has very much just hit a massive uptick in yes. attention. Yes. And while there, it's built on competition, you know, there's it it, it it wants to succeed uniformly to take you know to, to surpass the NHL and the MLB and the, and the NFL one day but while also continuing to remain friends I mean, this is what comes back to it's like I'd much rather collaborate with somebody yeah. than compete because you just never know and at the end of the day like you know sure you got overwatch and call of duty but both leagues need to, to succeed in this industry to take Esports and gaming past the NFL and past you know like yeah. what you know blockchain and what I don't even know. Like yeah, that. you know it might be a, it might be a bit of a hot take, but for me personally, I feel like right now the meta seems to be let's take a big page out of the NFL's book, right? Let's take a big page of the NBA NBA's book. When really I think that when I look at esports personally, and this might be just because of my fighting game background, but I think it's more WWE and UFC than it is the NFL or the NBA. And those are both hyper lucrative products in and of its own, right. despite the fact that they don't have the same format or regulations that the NFL or the NBA have, mm -hmm. right? And I think that in my opinion, that's really where the true comparisons do lie. Because when I think about UFC fighters and wrestlers and things like that, they are very much personalities, right? Um, and especially in UFC, just because they're personalities and they're not like, it's not like the, I don't know, the New York Conor McGregor's or whatever, right? Like that doesn't take away from the competitive aspects of it in and of itself, right? Um, but yeah, that's just kind of the, the way that, that I see that in, in particular, it's just, it's just that I think that instead of being so tunnel vision in regards that this is where we have to get, I feel like the space is still so new that we don't know what specifically sure. it's going to become, right? Yeah. And 
I think that it's, it's it, I do like the developments for sure, right? I'm definitely not going to try to take away from, from any franchisees or anything like that by any means. Mm -hmm. But I also think that taking that franchise model and laying it on mass to every single property that's doing well in this space just doesn't seem like it's necessarily the right fit. And I really hope that people, whenever they're looking at the future of the space and what to do with the space, especially when we're talking about whether or not to franchise and things like that, they really take a look inherently inside what those communities look like to make sure that, hey, this is a great fit, or maybe we should do something else. Are you ready for a I'm ready for speed round. I'm ready for speed round. I'm ready for speed round. Yeah, it's, it's, only it's, 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 it's a quickie. And I'm gonna transfer one over because uh, I'm curious, we haven't actually had a chance to get a proper, a proper cocktail together. So I need to know, what is your go-to cocktail? It's very different if it's a house party versus somewhere. Um, when I'm here in New York, I really like Old Fashions in Manhattan's because that makes sense. It does. Um, when I'm in New Orleans, I like Sazerac's because why not? <laughs> you, don't, you don't like a hand grenade in New Orleans? <laughs> Never again. We're not, we're, not, we're not doing that again. Uh, <laughs> all right, you can be the head coach of any team, any organization. Ooh. Probably Team Liquid. I think that they have a great infrastructure, um, and I really like what their brand is doing um, and, and kind of the pillars that it's founded on. So, Plus, they just are so good. Like, they're so good at so many things, and now they're also creating really good content, too. Like, there was um, there's a pro Smash player named Hungrybox, right? And he really wants to be on Hot Ones, and so... As a result of that, they made a parody of Hot Ones called Hot Wongs, where he's like the host of it, and he asks questions to like people, like other people. Like the first episode was about was with MK Leo, who's yeah, yeah. like literally like the god of Smash Ultimate right now, like the best player by far. Um, but but that's such unique creative content, right? Hot Ones is dude. I love it's Hot Ones. It's just like. Wings and questions. It, just, it gives me interview envy, man. It's just it, it's, I, it's simple in this world. Like, just get a WeWork and get on a weird leather couch and, and put you and your boy on camera. The next time I come up here, we gotta do the gauntlet. All right, lay the hot wings down. I'm gonna destroy them. Ten wings up, ten wings down. But yeah, Liquid, like I said, I, I think that they have a really good infrastructure. They're also doing a good job with partnerships and as well as content creation. So. To me, they really do represent that whole package. Um, so I think that that's easy for me to just say TL. Okay, if you could be a pro player in any sport or esport. Any team that I was on for either of those things would be so much worse because I was there. Am I assuming that if I'm on these teams that I'm coming at it no. with like God tier status or no. I'm just there? You're there. Oh God! Oh God! Okay. Uh, I'd probably want to be um, a European soccer player. Interesting, for sure, for nice. sure. They, uh, dude, they make so much money. It's insane. Yeah. It's insane. And I also think that it would be the lowest chance of me getting hurt would be there. <laughs> I, you can take a look at me and know that I was never gonna be that star quarterback, right? I was never gonna be the quarterback. I wasn't gonna do anything. In and, your, and into your next question, does Dak Prescott deserve a Supermax deal? That's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought. Um, 
and the advice you would give to, I typically go 25-year-old, but I'm going to say 15-year-old Justin. Oh, 15-year-old Justin? You know, if I can get sappy for a second here, oh boy. Honestly, 15-year-old Justin wouldn't believe what I'm doing right now and who I'm doing it with and the people that are in my life or anything, right? Um, for 15-year-old Justin, I'd just say, keep your head up <laughs> more than anything else, right? Uh, that it gets better, really, you know? Um, and just be open to new experiences and new opportunities as much as you can. Keep your head up and keep right. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Also, Definitely don't break your arm before taking eight AP tests and having to be on a ton of painkillers. That's, 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 that's pretty bad. That's, that's key, key stuff. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty it's a pretty bad thing for a, for a fifteen year old Justin. Finally, are the Cowboys going to make the playoffs? Bro, <laughs> <laughs> great being with you. Great being with you for sure. No shade of my Dallas people. Seriously. Thanks, guys. Appreciate.